Y'all, I love this episode so much. In this second episode with Marcy, we're going to jump right back into our conversation from last week. We are all well aware of the compounding trauma occurring in our nation. And based on what I've heard this week, we are all feeling the burden, the sadness. I realize these are hard things to talk about, but I encourage you to be willing to take this 30 minutes and consider what healing looks like in your life. Who can you love more today? How can you be intentional to bring hope and speak truth of Imago Day? I've personally really been seeking more peace this week. I've had to limit my social media time and all the content I'm receiving, but I honestly believe you'll find hope in this message today. Marcy brings the word today, such good news that all people are made to desire freedom. Marcy is an author and a writer. She uh, has an Instagram home called Black Coffee with White Friends, and she is the author of Mockingbird History Lessons. She is a wealth of truth and love and good news. So this is the truth for all people. It's the message that we need to be spreading, that we are made in God's image. So I want you to take this good news for today, that we are created to bring light to dark places, that God is too big to contain, right? This message is an invitation to grow a curiosity for more of who God is, to seeking understanding of new perspectives, different ways of seeing Him. So I invite you to seek God, ask Him for a new truth about Him, ask Him to reveal more of the way that He meets people in their spaces and, and loves more. At the end, she tells us all about her book. I'm super excited to read it. Marcy's a bit quiet about her personal life and her past, but I think she tells all in the book. So we all have to go buy it and support her. I'll definitely let you know when it's available. All right, friends, let's jump in. Um, just yesterday, we watched the Meghan Markle interview with Oprah. And a lot of white women, a lot of black women are resonating with her and saying, we've been in that room. We know what it's like to have a firm of some sort who's, ho- who's saying they're going to keep you safe. We know what it's like to work in the corporate, the corporation that says they're going to keep you safe, and then they throw you under the bus. We know. We've been there, right? Um, we, yeah, she said, like, how am I not an added benefit? Right. We've all felt that way. We, we've all felt that way. Like, why, why am I not an added benefit? Why am I not being used? I, I, could, I could be... That's not new, even across the palm, because we think that this tragedy that's happened is America's and America's alone. And the world would love to believe that. Like, England yeah. would love to be like, oh, it's the Americans who, you know, are super racist and have racist yeah. policies. No, that's no, that's not something that started that started um, here in the colonies. That predates the colonies, predates it. Um, yeah. So... We have to start asking ourselves, it's not about racism, it's about how we feel about blackness. Um, there, there are people who are just like, I'm not a racist. And technically they're not, they're not, they will hire someone who is black. They will hire someone who is Asian. They're, they'll hire someone who is of a, of a different race, different color. And They'll say, and I have no problems with my son or daughter, daughter um, 
dating someone who mm -hmm. is black. The question isn't that. The question is, yes, but how will you feel about that blackness? You know, I think, and what I mean by that is, yes, but is that your preference? Is that going to be a different thing for you? Like, it, it's one thing to say that you don't mind it, but it's a whole different thing if, if you're like, I would have to acclimate. I would have to come to terms with it. Like, you know, and you will. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that happened that I don't hear the conversation with Megan and Harry is that, yes, they knew that he was going to marry this woman. I don't think they knew that that meant that she would remain a Black person. <laughs> I think that they thought they would get married and she would become theirs. Like them. And like them and do as they do and, and have the wedding be the, what they would hope that would be. And she would, she would speak and hold herself the way that they would, she would assimilate into that, into royalty. Yeah. Um, where, but the difference is, kind of like with a corporation. It's the same thing that happens in corporations. Like a, they hire a black person because, not because they, they think that they're, they're not racist. It's because they're thinking this black person will fit our culture of our corporation. They'll fit the culture. And as long as they fit the culture, it'll be fine. But the minute that that black person doesn't fit the culture, the minute that woman comes to work with braids or dreads or um, a Black Lives Matter coffee mug, Mm -hmm. there's a discussion that might happen with the board saying, okay, does this person still fit the culture? Which is really saying, does this person um, assimilate enough into our white standard of what it should be and what we should look like? And I think that that's, that's more of the question. It's not about the racism. I think- right. I think it's about what's in our hearts. Like, how do we feel about blackness? And as far as racism goes, my question to those who are, are who are in this place of I'm not sure if this is racist or not racist, um, or yeah, but is that a problem? I guess you just have to ask yourself. It's a question I've said to people. It's like, well, how racist is too racist? Like, you just really have to start asking right. yourself that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And being willing to just visit it too, I think like we all have racist things in us. I mean, mm -hmm. that's how we were raised or that's what we're hearing. That's what we're inundated with. And so being willing to press on and not become defensive, but face it and, mm -hmm. yeah. and be honest with yourself, right? Like, how do mm -hmm. I feel about this? And then work, working through it. And mm -hmm. would you agree that's how we progress? Yeah, I would say because people get very touchy with we all are racist. I would say we all have inherited a racist narrative. Sure. There's no way, way to say it. be excluded from that. We all no. have inherited a racist narrative. What of the, what parts of that narrative have you allowed to weave into your own story? And I think that that's a way to move forward in it. Like what what were you told? What's the earliest memory? What were you told? or not told what what did you hear or did never heard about certain races in your in your home yeah. and that's a really good place to start what i yeah. hope people don't do is then go out and 
denigrate their parents. <laughs> and, um, you know, cause I, I think that that's, it's like, yeah, but you know, that that's really hard for, for a parent. And I think it's that, hard. I think that time. you have to own your own stuff too. Like you can blame it all on your parents, but you can own your own stuff as well. That's right. That's right. Well, one, um, one other thing that I really wanted to focus on, have you read the color of compromise? Yeah. Jamar Tisby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a favorite of mine. And mm -hmm. one of the things that you've talked about a lot is erasing God's image. And, yeah. And I, um, I just would love to hear you talk more about that. Um, and one detail from the book that just, I don't know, stands out to me is that here we have Christianity leading the way in racism, mm -hmm. right? I mean, and then evangelism to the slaves is happening and there are people fighting for that. Mm -hmm. And I, I just hold on to this hope that to see the people rise up because of Jesus mm. in their lives and, and the truth of God's love, inviting them into resistance and liberation and, um, and fighting for their lives because they know their worth. Uh, and I love that. I love that they didn't reject Christianity or reject God, but instead clung to him and, took that hope and used it to propel forward. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It fills me with hope because we are still facing so many things, other things as well today. And there is a lot of rejection of who God is um, because of how he's portrayed. And it's just not, it's not an accurate, accurate picture of who he is and his love for us. And um, so what do yeah. you think about all that? Oh, that's, that's a hard one. Um, I believe that Black people would have risen up regardless. I think that that's just the human nature. That's what the Imagio Day is. I think that we have to first come to terms with that, that that's what the Imagio Day is, is that the Imagio Day is that we are made to hold dominion and we are made to be free. That's just yes. the way we're made. We're made to yes. desire to be free. And whether that comes from a Christian narrative or not, it's just the way the world has been made. And the stories that we have, biblical stories that we have, I think it's very interesting in telling that so many of the biblical stories that we have are the same biblical stories that Muslims have that, um, um, of course, Jew Jewish people have, but even in um, secular um, faith systems, those are the stories that they have. Like if you go and do history of the creation of the world, it's very similar. It's a very similar, there was darkness and then there was light. They all be begin like that. It doesn't matter what your faith is. And I think that notion of light, that the Magyal Day moment of light speaking into the darkness, not dismissing the darkness, but taking the hold of the darkness and, and creating from it, which is very interesting that God didn't say, let there no longer be darkness. 
Um, but God said, let there be light and separated the light from the darkness to make night and day. And both are just as beautiful. So there's this, this, there's this beauty that's happening within this cosmic darkness. And I think that that's the thing that we're so afraid of. We're afraid of the cosmic darkness. We just want light. We want it to be day. All It's like we're afraid of the dark. And I think... Um, the dark is where so much happens. I think that the, that that the dark of suffering is where things happen, where things move. Where I think we we think of the creation and we think that it was this painless, effortless endeavor. And if it were painless and effortless, then why did God need the rest? It must have cost something to make it happen. And when you think of the, if you study, I don't study physics, but I have a husband who's very much into the whole physics and cosmic thing. And we have these conversations and he shows me these articles. There are explosions happening and, and it seems like a lot of murder and grief and destruction is happening in our cosmos to create to keep this world as beautiful as it is, to keep the atmospheres and the galaxies as as brilliant with stars as they are. It's 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 really a very um it's not it's not a sprinkling of fairy dust. It's very <laughs> aggressive what's happening in our and to to keep our skies blue. So when I think about that. And I think of the Imago Day. I was just saying, I'm, I'm working on my book and I'm working on the last chapter. And one of the things I wanted to touch on is that none of us are who we should be because of race, which is really sad. You're white. You shouldn't be white. You should be whatever else came from your heritage. You should be all of those things. And that is the picture of the Imago Day. But unfortunately, it's been whittled down into something that's white or black or Asian or this or that. And it's much more nuanced. We're, we're missing all of our nuance. We're missing all the things. You don't know who you would be if there had never been slavery in this country. I don't know who I would be if that never happened. And so, you know, and that's why people love, that's why black people loved Wakanda so much y'all. It was, a new imagining that we had not known could be possible. But to imagine a world where there's no chattel slavery, there was always slavery, but it was biblical, it was different. It was, an, it was, an, it was not this um, dehumanizing property. Um, thing based on color. So when people say, well, there was always slavery. Yes, but there was never a concentrated slavery of people just based on color. There was slavery that had to do with wars and it had to do with um, owing debts and it had to do with those sorts of things. It was that kind of slavery. But chattel slavery, super different. And it erased God's image of people. It erased, when we talk about the tribes, um, how how would we know which tribe? You don't know what tribe you're from in, in a biblical sense. I don't have a biblical tribe that I was ad adopted into. That's a Jewish thing, but we were adopted into it if we're Christians and we believe, as Jesus said, that we're going to be 
one. And we believe, as Paul said, that we're, we, we get it grafted into this. We don't have any of that. We don't have any, who would, I was asking my husband the other night, I was like, well, don't you wonder who Martin Luther King would have been had he not had to spend so much time about race? Like, what stories would he have written? What would have James Baldwin written if they didn't have to constantly be focused on the lives of Black bodies? And I think it's unimaginable. What, what would we be as women if we never had to worry about rape or um, misogyny or um, sexism or chauvin chauvinistic um, laws, what, who would we be if we had always had our full um, hu human dignity um, appreciated and respected in the way that Jesus respected women, in the way that Jesus saw the woman at the well, like in the way that he, he, he engaged with the prostitute who washed his feet with her hair, in the way that he engaged with Mary and Martha, who would we as women be if, if, if men were that kind of life-giving source as opposed to this um, fight that's happening right now with the Southern Baptist um, movement with women? Like, I really do wonder if we, if we really thought that children were, that the kingdom of heaven was um, created for children how would we how would we redo the way that we do the educational system when so many kids go there and it's a source of pain for them because they are not excellent and they are not the A students and they can't sit still and they have ADHD and they're not seen and they're not welcomed or they're a foster kid and the first assignment that they get is draw a picture of your family i mean we do so much we do so much marring of the mago day it's 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 shocking to me that we have any left, you know? And it's, it's really sad because we, we really can't, we don't know fully who God is because we've, we've blocked the image of God in one another. So we can't see that God is also um, black and a woman. We can't see that. We can't see it. We, we don't know that to be true. Um, Priscilla Shire said something that I just love a long time ago. I, she was teaching a class and she said that the word abundant when used in the New Testament isn't a lot of things. It's like saying that God is abundant, that he's fat, that God, the divine is fat. It's, it's a roly-poly of goodness. And when you think of that, I just think we've basically put God on a diet. We've, 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 um, we don't want a God that's fat and juicy and full of all kinds of images. We, we're not there for that. We want a God that is linear and lean neat. <laughs> and neat and, 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 and you know, pocket-sized. Yeah. but not a God that's just too big to contain, which would be so wonderful to see. And that's how it should be. Yeah. We should be it is. too big to contain. That's he is I, really yeah. just 
just really grown a hunger in me to see him in other places out of my small Southern town. And um, like Priscilla, there's a woman, Dr. Anita Phillips, and she talked about coming and um, she's a, like a trauma therapist. Yeah. She um, talked about wearing Christ differently and just this new concept of Christ is not the same in every culture, you know, no. and across the world. And I'm so hungry to know him in those ways. Like, yeah. And so I just, I wish we were starting at this point because we're already at an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think we, I would love to talk to you more about this because I want to know, I mean, I want to see him in each person. I want to, I loved what you said about opening the door and seeing the divine in every person. That's exactly, I think, what gives life. And um, just my mission personally is, is to help other people, women in particularly, find God's voice in their life because it's there already. And the uniqueness of each person is so beautiful. And we don't have to shape ourselves to look like that girl or that person or, um, you know, make ourselves look like that in order to be good enough. We We can walk out our own heart and our own life and our own dreams. And that is God in us. And people need us to show him that way, you know? Yeah. I I really, one of the best things that I did when I was going, when I first was going through um, this increase in size and, and really just aging and freaking out, like y'all just freaking Mm -hmm. out, having crying fits, like a five-year-old child whose toy had been (laughs) taken away, just losing my mind um, and driving everyone who lives with me crazy with it. One of the things that I did is I got real quiet and I started to make a list of women and men who I admire, who whose lives that I thought, I want to be like this person. And when I made that list, none of those people were ever going to be a supermodel not a single one of them. And that's not to say that your list may not have a supermodel on it. But I'm just saying, when I looked at how I wanted to age, I was like, I want to be like Richard Rohr. I want to be like (laughs) um, Mother Teresa. I want to be like like Richard Rohr too. Yeah. Like I started to name all these people. I want to be like Harriet Tubman. I want to be like, like when I thought of the people whose faith have carried them, And I wrote down these names of all the people that I thought were absolutely beautiful in the world and had aged beautifully in the way that I respected, um, whose legacy I I would hope to live to my own daughter. None of them were um, style icons or or, um, none of them were that. And, And, it doesn't mean that I don't have an appreciation for um, women who do look that way. That's that's not at all what I'm saying. I, I love I'm a, I'm a makeup girl. I love a good a good palette and a and a good lip line and all of it. But I just was like when I think about on my deathbed what I wanted to be about what I want people to say of me. It's not that. And she wore a size blank 
<laughs> like, I just don't think that that's going to be what's going to matter. So just that's really so true. starting to, to think about the people that you admire and, and live towards that, like live towards that. It helps on those days when the world that's goes so dark, good. You that's know? So good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's good. Another thing, um, Dr. Anita Phillips talked about was what is your favorite life verse? I wanted to ask you if you have like a favorite verse. Um, yeah, this is not a trick, um, but <laughs> yeah, no, um, my, um, favorite life verse, I'll read it to you. Um, I'm, I'm over, I'm over 40 y'all. I can't, I can't memorize things. Like, oh, I used well, to. yeah. And if I you had to, asked me the same I have question, to read I, things. <laughs> I, have to read I would have things. had to get my Bible out to you. Um, I don't know that I have just, this one. is it. It is um, Genesis one in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth by forming from nothing. The earth was formless and void or a waste and emptiness and darkness was upon the face of the deep primeval ocean that covered the unformed earth the spirit of God was moving hovering brooding over the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light God saw that the light was good pleasing and useful and he affirmed and sustained it and God separated the light distinguishing it from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning one day and I love that because whenever I get lost in myself, I'm always like, there, there, there's always going to be this light and darkness. And what we have to get used to and get familiar with is kind of like how we acclimate, we acclimate to darkness. Like, you know, you turn off the light and then you can make your way through the bedroom, right? We have to be able to make our way through these racial conversations, even when all the lights are out. We have to be able to know how to get through the door to get to the light, even when we can't see where we're going. And I think um, what we have to trust is that there's light there. (laughs) There is light. And if it's not um, an artificial light where we flip a switch, morning is coming. And we we can kind of just not stress about the darker moments. So that's why I would say that's my, yeah, it, it really, um, the reason I mentioned her is she says your life first is kind of a reflection of your belief in your, in your life, right. The way you live your life and where you've come from. And, um, it definitely shows just your optimism and your push for the future. And- well, what's yours? <laughs> you have like- one? Am I, am I putting you on the spot? If you don't have one, you don't have one, but no, I have, you? I have one that is like, like my long-term favorite and it's, oh yeah, me too. I'm bad at, but it's, he will take her, he will lead her to the wilderness and stick tenderly to her there. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh yeah. my goodness. Where is that from? What part? Is that Hosea? You could, you can look at it. Yes, it is. It is oh. Hosea. Yes. Yeah. My my current favorite though is a little more aggressive. It's Revelations three. Oh dang! I've never heard anyone say life in in Revelations. Okay. No, I am. I know I'm all into Revelations right now, uh-huh. and it it's speaking to the church of Sardis, 
And it, he's saying like, your reputation is great, but you're busy. This is, these are my words, but wake up because I'm going to come and you're going to have slept through your life. Like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Wake up, let's live yeah. it and do the thing you're called to do. Don't just be busy doing all the good things for reputation. Like right. let's live our life awake and on purpose and and do the thing we're meant to do, right? I In God's, love that. God's image. That's exactly where my heart is. Um, and oh, it's good. That that will motivate me to speak every time. Yeah. You know? yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that with me. That's, I love that. Awesome. Yeah. This has been so much fun. Tell me, I didn't get to ask you about your book. What is it your, is it a memoir? Is it educational? Is it- it's so funny. <laughs> so I've been writing this book for like a year. Um, I just want to just brag on my, my editor, who's just this lovely woman. So I started writing years ago. I've been writing my whole life. I went to school for writing and um, didn't leave with a degree, but kept writing. And, and so always have written and then started doing Black Coffee White Friends after you know, I, my husband and I would go out for a run or go out for a walk and I'd say things like, okay, I'm gonna start a blog. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) By the time we were, we were turning and coming back home, I would have had the blog and stopped the blog. Like, you know, and so that kept happening. And then, um, so my husband, we, we, I start, I launched the blog and, um, I was starting to get DMs from different agents, like from an agent, from a from a um, a, a, a person who's um, in the media who liked my work and wanted to help me start writing. Like, I, very sweet people who are like, "You should do a book," and um, I was like, "I want to do a book," but I didn't know if I wanted to be published. I thought I I just want to do something that is an ebook or something. I don't know, do it on my own. But um, a woman, um, her name is uh, Sarah. Sarah actually got on a plane from Chicago and flew down and took my husband and I to breakfast and just said, we really want your book. And um, something about her and the beauty of her and the reasons that she laid out really, I just loved her. And, um, And so I get to do this book with, to women, like a group of people that I really, really love and an uh, agent that I really love and, and appreciate. And it's been challenging for us because we're, we're, we're new friends and um, I'm the only black voice in this room, but to, for them to make this room for me. And also they love my husband's artwork. They love the, the work. My husband is a graphic designer, letterer, like an award-winning one. I could brag on and on about him. Like he's really gifted and so he's the one who I get the art dictate I get to like go uh, art direct not dictate art direct <laughs> where I go sometimes it's, sometimes it's a little, uh-huh. sometimes I'm doing little dictating but yeah <laughs> but um you know I get to say I want it to look like this and and he can make that happen so um nice yeah it's really nice <laughs> so um so they were interested in they, they first, it was their design department that started following 
my feed because they liked the way it was laid out and then they're like oh and she can really write and they told Sarah and Sarah read everything and printed everything out and like brought my whole blog and I was like it was funny because she she was quoting me and I was like oh who said that I was like because it was stuff that I'd written a a while ago so I was like oh I didn't know I said that that's well sometimes we have to listen to what we write to know what we think yeah so we've been on this this creating this book and it started out being a lot of different things but it's come to be really just my story um which was it was funny because I would like drop something I would say something and then they'd be like wait hold up what like can you tell us more about like I and I go oh yeah well um so it's I was intending it for it not to be my life story because I'm pretty private but it's, it has, it's become that because it's what makes sense. I think, I think it's the one part that I don't share a lot of in the feed. If you notice, I don't say too much about the ins and outs of my day or my life or my past or, you know, so it's really how, how did my past, how did my particular past, my particular upbringing create black coffee with white friends? Like that's that's what I meant to talk about today. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's yeah, and in a nutshell, it's being raised by a mom who was um, who was Jim Crow. She was the daughter of Jim Crow from um, West Virginia. She got pregnant on purpose so that she would have to get married at sixteen, so she wouldn't have to go to a white school and be integrated. Cause that was really scary as when people were picketing and, and throwing things at students and she did not want any part of that. So she's like, I'm going to find a boy who's from the North, get myself pregnant, get up out of here and live my life. And that's what she did. And her life is colorful. <laughs> I'll just say that. And it's, it's very much pressed upon me a certain kind of parenting and a and a certain kind of way that I look at women because my mother was so broken in a lot of ways I just wish that society had held a lot more space for her um so yeah so it's about that and it's also about the slave debates like how that the awakening to that which I talked about here like having that moment and that's what the book is about and it's called black coffee with white friends um I don't know if there's going to be a tagline or anything but it's just more of who I am, I guess. And I'm glad you're excited about that. I just honestly, I'm just like, why do people need to know that? I don't know why. <laughs> it's very odd, odd, but um, thank you. That's very encouraging. It's, it's so exciting. Oh. It's beautiful. You better, oh. I can't wait to hear, to get it, to share it. Thank you. Yeah, that would be, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm hopeful for a lot of things with this book, but mostly, mostly I'm just hopeful to have this, like I was saying, how Steven Spielberg has gathered all these stories. Yeah. I, I just want to be another story that someone can gather. And um, I always imagine, I keep coming across these books that I never heard of um, <laughs> that were written in the 20s and, you know, um, by Black people, these accounts of their life. And I, and I just want to be another account that maybe future generations are just like, someone wrote this book, you know, and, and um, it's, it's about her life. Um, 
I think that that would be a fun thing to to leave behind in the world. Me too. We'll see. Me too. Stories, I think, are the most powerful. I mean, that's yeah. They invite people to live, and so it's your greatest gift. Sharing your life and sharing your story is your greatest gift. It is it is the greatest gift that we can give to one another. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Marcy, I adore you. I thank you and honor you so much. Ditto! New friend. <laughs> Yay. All right. Well, yeah. thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a powerful message of seeing those around you as God's child. I think Marcy summed up the solution to most of the world's problems today. So let's ask this question. Who is broken around you? Who needs space to be held for them? Ladies, don't let the things that you don't know hold you back. It's okay if you don't say it just right. It's okay to be awkward. Your love is powerful and you need to be extending your love today. Not only will it serve the people around you and and change someone's life, it also serves you. It changes your perspective. It allows you to Uh, persevere and endure in your own challenges. You're such a, you are such a gift in the world. You benefit the room you're in. I want you to walk boldly. There are so many hurting women who feel alone and maybe a bit crazy, right? But we can offer a changed perspective. We can give hope. As always, I'm cheering for you.